You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Schiffman. On this show, I interview people with lived and learned experiences on the subjects of mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy, but occasionally we talk about other topics as well. On this week's episode, I interview Kristen Meinzer. She's a critic, an author, and one of the hosts of the By the Book podcast. But first, Kid Bental, let's go. Things ain't always gonna go our way. But you can always win when you just struggle. And some battles will be yesterday. But today is for a new beginning. You just struggle. And don't worry about what they say. But you can always win when you just struggle. And you can bounce back. Yes, that's true. Come on in, listen to just struggle. Oh, just struggle. just struggle. Oh, just struggle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. It's so great to be back with you all. I am Jay Schiffman, your host. We have a great episode today, uh, but first, a couple of things. Number one, thank you so, so much to everyone who reached out with the kind words of welcome back and, and you know, uh, shared the show. Last week was very popular. Uh, thank you. As I'm, as I'm recording this, early this week. Uh, it's still going on. So uh, thank you. Thank you. It really meant a lot for people, you know, to reach out and be like, about time. Um, <laughs> sorry, I kept you waiting uh, on the show for season three. Yes, thank you. Um, really appreciate that. And and a huge thank you to Ethan, who shared it all over. Uh, he emailed me to say, again, how much he enjoyed the conversation. Uh, he recently had a, a new episode out with a guy by the name of San Quinones, who some of you may know as the author of Dreamland, a book that at the time was very revolutionary. Uh, little, as you look back on it, not as, um, you know, the the. the thinking around some of the issues in, in that book have changed. And his new one, I'm like afraid to read. I have it sitting here behind me on my bookshelf. I'm scared because I really liked, I like his writing uh, and I met him. He's a nice guy, um, but he took a hard, weird turn with this one that's basically just, um, uh, it's, re- it's sourced very much from law enforcement and that scares the crap out of me. Uh, before I even re- read it, so I'm not gonna have a you know a review or anything. I'm just scared to read it because I like I like his writing style. I like Dreamland, even though it wasn't you know some of the policies or the the, the thinking on drug use in it isn't amazing. Um, but I say all this because um, Ethan Nadelman's show Psychoactive is back. You should check it out. He has an episode out with Sam Quinones where he we, we exchange emails and he said, uh, yeah, it, it got a little tense. Um, so I'm excited. I'm going to listen to that one uh, ASAP. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, I don't know. Just a little thing called Made It. <laughs> By the time you hear this, it will be a week away. As a reminder on that, next week there will be no episode or normal episode of Choose Your Struggle. Instead, what you'll be hearing is episode one of season one of Choose Your Struggle Presents Made It, uh, Stay Savage. Episode one is an intro episode. Uh, The actual story itself doesn't start until episode two, which is, it's fun. Uh, I think episode one really fits well as sort of a Monday motivation type episode of this show, uh, which is going to be really interesting. 
definitely encourage you uh, to listen to it on the Made It streams. You can go ahead and you know start listening to episode two right away. For those of you who still have not subscribed, the link is in the show notes, and episode one will be dropped on this feed um, next week. Very excited about that. As as I'm as I'm recording this yesterday, Monday, I did drop the episode list uh, publicly. It was released last week on Patreon. If you have not got uh, checked out the Patreon yet or, or, or signed up, please do so. Again, the lowest entry level is just three dollars and forty cents a month, and uh, a couple of sort of sort of what that is like. Number one, they got a sneak peek of this. This, like I said, it dropped on Patreon last week. Uh, they got behind the scenes stuff along the way. You can go back and look at some of that stuff. Uh, they get there's a there's a, a bunch of stuff, a bunch of things depending on the level you sign up for. But the number one thing is just more access to to the behind the scenes of making all the stuff we do here at Choose Your Struggle. So check it out. That's in the show notes as always, or you can find it at Patreon.com/slash Choose Your Struggle. Um, so yeah, made it drops next week. The show that the the episode list is out. Um, you can find that on my Instagram, on pretty much every social media. Uh, thank you to all the savage peeps for sharing that all over, all the people who have reached out to say how excited they are. It really means a lot. I'm very excited for this to come out. Uh, that's pretty much it in terms of, of updates. Um, you know, like I said, you won't hear from me for a couple weeks after this because Made It is next week, and um, that's going to be the focus of my life for the next 10 days. Uh but this week, before before all that, this is a really cool episode. Uh, the guest today is Kristen Meinzer, who you may know from, I don't know, a billion different places. Um, I first heard her uh, because my wife, Lauren, is a fan and, and was like, this person's really cool. You should check her out. She hosts a podcast called By the Book, uh, where she and her co-host live um, literally by the book uh, of self-help books for two weeks at a time. Some of them, well, as as she says on this, not a single one of them ever gets a hundred percent. I mean, there's they're they're very difficult at times, and a lot of them are problematic and yada yada. She is also a multi-time author. Uh, she's a host of multiple other shows, and you may have heard her voice on one of my favorite uh, NPR shows, Pop Culture Happy Hour, where she is a frequent contributor. Um, She's just a really wonderful person, a really, really intelligent person doing some really cool work. It was an honor to chat with her. I really enjoyed this. Um, she's a legend in the podcast world because she's been doing this for, for. Um, I mean, you know, she was an OG, she's an OG. She's been doing this for over a decade and, you know, podcasting still young. So she was was early in this game. Uh, I really, it was a joy to learn from her to, to, to. Uh, learn to, to to listen to all the wealth of knowledge that she shared on this episode. And I think you're going to love it. Two really quick notes. Uh, I forgot to say this last week, but both Ethan and I had head colds. Mine, uh, you still hear on this episode because they were recorded uh, in back-to-back days. Um, and I think this is the last episode where I had a head cold. I might have one more coming. Sorry about that. I don't sound amazing, uh, but Kristen sounds great because she did not <laughs> have a cold. The other this was this was hilarious to me. So we talk about one of the sort of uh, really famous for being so problematic self-help books, which is um, okay. The official title is (laughs) Wash Your Face. Um, If you don't know that book, it's just it made headlines for sort of having some really uh, uh, 
troubling things in it. Here's what's funny. When I when I asked her about it, I conflated it with the um <laughs> How I Met Your Mother did a take on that book, um sort of a a, a joke on its title. Um, and, and the, it was Jennifer Lopez's character. If you remember that episode, Jennifer Lopez, uh, plays the author and that book was, um, of course you're still single. Take a look at yourself, you dumb slut. Uh, and I couldn't remember the name of the actual book. Again, it's Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. Uh, and so I said for something on the episode, like watch your face, you stupid bitch or something like that. Um, because that was, you know, I, I was conflating the actual book, uh, Wash Your Face, and How I Met Your Mother, uh, take a joke on, on that book. Uh, of course, you know, look at yourself, you dumb slut. Um, <laughs> so, uh, my, my apologies for making the book title overly, uh, 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 you know, offensive. Uh, it is not actually called Wash Your Face, You Stupid Bitch. I was mixing those two things up. My apologies. That was that was kind of funny, but also a little stupid. So sorry about that, Rachel Hollis. Although, you know, that book has its own problems. So I'm not that sorry. Uh, anyway, this is such a great episode. Uh, and I don't want to say anything more. I just want you to enjoy this wonderful conversation with someone that I just am so appreciative. She took the time because she was incredible. Kristen Meinzer. If you've been following the show for a while, you know I'm a huge fan of Roadrunner CBD. I use all of their products. Seriously, I run through a tub of their muscle gel every couple of weeks because I'm in my 30s and everything hurts. Their balm is perfect for keeping my skin smooth and healthy, and I mix their CBD flower with every joint I roll to give my high that perfect equilibrium I'm always looking for. So to change your life with Roadrunner CBD's products, go to roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref, R-E-F slash C-Y-S. And use the code CYS at checkout for 10% off. Trust me, you're going to want to try this out. Check them out today. Support us on Patreon. Check us out at patreon.com slash choose your struggle or at the link in your show notes. Hello and welcome back to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. It's great to be back with you all. We're, we're, we're chugging along here in season three and uh, the hits keep coming. We have an amazing guest with us today. Somebody that uh, probably most of you already know. She, she is a very big name in the podcasting world. And, and I don't get to say this often, but I'm going to say it uh, today. She literally wrote the book on podcasting. So uh, <laughs> it, it is it is wonderful to have you you with me, Kristen. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, I'm so excited to be here, Jay. Thanks for having me. So I said this on the way in and I'll say it again now because all of my listeners have heard my wife before that she is ecstatic that you're on the show today. Uh, she's actually who introduced uh, uh, your work to me a couple of years ago. Um, and, and it was because when I was starting out in podcasting, uh, as I joked before, she actually was like, here's someone who wrote the book and whose work I love. You should check them out. Um, you are, to, to put it simply, prolific in the podcasting world. Uh, you 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 have have hosted multiple shows. You have one of them that is it is one of the the most widely known shows in podcasting. Uh, you are a frequent guest on other people's podcasts. Before we really get into your work, though, what is it about podcasting that really appeals to you? What is it that makes you go like, yes, this is my medium? Oh, well, when I was a little girl, I dreamed of being an author of writing, you know 
uh, the kind of literature that would win national book awards and so on, important literature of capital I, capital L. And uh, I have to say, when I finally was fortunate enough to be able to you know, be in an MFA program and doing that, I realized how incredibly lonely it was and sitting alone writing quote unquote important uh, literature is very isolating. And, and I really commend all the people who are great at it. But what I love about podcasting, um, and I just kind of got thrown into the deep end with it. One of my employers just essentially was like, you're gonna be hosting a show now. And at that moment, I realized how much more fun and collaborative it is as a storytelling mechanism because uh, I can talk with people like you who are so fun and lively. I can interact with listeners who have feedback on things I'm saying. I can have an intimate relationship with people rather than just typing out words and seeing, you know, well, maybe it'll end up on a list somewhere or maybe it won't. <laughs> and uh, with podcasting, it's so different. We, we are fortunate to have relationships with our listeners. We are fortunate to feel that we're not just alone with a typewriter by ourselves. And it can be such a fun and uh, unpretentious way to say the same things I might in quote unquote important literature and to speak to people in an intimate way that they can enjoy at any time pretty much. They, they can enjoy that conversation while they're walking their dogs, while they're dropping their kids off at school, while they're grocery shopping, while they're doing mundane stuff they can't stand, like washing dishes, if you're me. I hate washing dishes, but uh, if I have a podcast on it, so much better. So there's that intimacy, that chance to reach people wherever they are. And um, I, again, uh, I, I often uh, get to do it with other people like you, uh, whether it's a co-host or being a guest on someone else's show. And every one of those conversations makes my life better. So <laughs> I, I am so grateful for this moment with you and any moment I get to talk with somebody else. That was so beautifully said. I, I want to sort of echo that again, as, a, as a, also as a former professional writer, the ability to build community through podcasting is unparalleled. You know, it, it's um, it, it, when I was writing, if I was lucky, someone would reach out having read something I wrote here. It's weekly. It's it's this is what this this show means. This is the conversation I'm having from all around the world. And it brings people like us together, which is just so beautiful. And And, and that's something that I think you've done so expertly with your work is you've built this community. I mean, your uh, multiple of of your uh, uh, of your work has a dedicated community from all around the world. Before we really get into that work, though, talk about what that's meant to you to have that sort of community built around this this thing you care so deeply about. Oh gosh, it's everything. And when people choose to listen to any of my shows, that is a huge investment of time. You know, if you listen to a whole season of one of my shows, that's, you know, uh, dozens of hours that you've given up of your life. And, you know, unless you're listening to it at 1.5 speed like I do. But even then, that's still time. <laughs> and uh, that that's a wonderful, generous thing for them to choose to do, to spend their time with me. To spend time with anyone is a generous thing, right? And so, yeah, it means the world to me that people want to spend time with me. And it also means the world that they take the time to actually write to me, to give me feedback, to leave me voicemails, to say, I saw myself in your story, or I always thought things had to be this way. And then you gave a model of life that could be different. And that really meant a lot to me. Or sometimes they call me out and they help me see the world in a bigger, broader, smarter way than I was seeing it already. And I'm grateful for that too, because every time we get to learn something new is, you know, it can be painful, but it can also just uh, be so 
enjoyable, that, that brain stretching feeling of like, oh, it hurts, but it feels good. My brain just got a little bit bigger and I just saw the world a little bit more uh, with more complexity and a little bit more hopefully with kindness. So anytime a listener can help me with that, I'm grateful. And and that's it's, I'm so glad you said that because you know as I said I've been listening to you now for a couple of years but in the last couple of days I, I obviously did a deep dive to prepare for this conversation and there's one word and, and and tell me if you disagree but there's one word that I associate with your work and that is vulnerable you are in everything you do you're open about it you talk about it I mean from times you've been fired in the past that you've you've been very open about uh to 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 obviously we'll get into your self-help that that series which is incredible but but about how that's affected your life I mean you live in a way that is very open and 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 vulnerable with with your audience and with your community yes and I will just full disclosure say I went into things not planning to do that because uh Back in the olden days, I went from writing to journalism to being um, a pop culture critic. My first podcast was for WNYC, and I was a film critic there. And that was, oh gosh, 13, 14 years ago now. But, you know, being a film critic doesn't really require me to be very vulnerable. It just requires me to uh, do a close reading of whatever I'm viewing that day. And doing a close reading informed by all of my understanding of society, politics, history, and so on is not the same as me crying on a microphone and talking about how much it hurts that, you know, I lost a job. It's a, it's a very different experience to admit when I've done something wrong, where I screwed up at work and the first thing I want to do is bury myself in the ground and, uh, or, you know, admitting things about myself that maybe people don't want to talk about normally. Like, uh, I have, you know, a fixation on this or a problem with that. And I, I, I was not used to doing that before, but I absolutely had to do that when I started hosting by the book because that's, you know, that's the kind of show by the book is the show needed that of me. And sometimes our shows ask us to do certain things that we don't even plan on in the beginning, but you know, it demands it of us. So we're getting in, into this a little bit later in the show that I normally do, but let's talk a little bit about you, your, your life, your story, because it's so important in understanding people and their work. Was this, you know, you said you wanted to be a writer and all that, but was there something about self-help that was uh, particularly attractive to you from a young age? Or, you know, what was it, I think, uh, about your growth as a person that made this something that was attractive to you? Oh, I will make it clear right here and now, self-help books are not attractive to me in the slightest. I am what would be called the resident self-help skeptic on by the book. Jolenta, she likes self-help books. She wants to believe their promises. She loves the idea that just following six steps can change her life. She loves that. And that was the original premise of the show that she really, in her own words, felt like a fuck up, a garbage person in her words, uh, somebody who wasn't succeeding at adulting, at working, at marriage, at anything in life. And she really felt down on herself. And she wanted to live by these books. And she invited me along because she knew I was a critic. And she thought, oh, this is somebody who's going to have a different perspective to bring to the table. And so we, you know, developed the show together and came up with, you know, um, ways to live by these books, uh, format for the show, living by books for two weeks and so on, and uh, developed the show together. And originally, it was just like, I'm going to be the critic, and you're going to be the believer. But as the show went along, again, the show just kind of demanded of both of us to be a little bit more of what the other was at various points. Like, Jolenta did have to learn to be a much more critical reader with each of the books. She did have to not just faithfully 
love the intention and ignore the racism, for example, in a book. Um, she had to learn to do that. And I had to learn to maybe be a little bit more open-minded about why does this book speak to so many people? What is it doing that might help others, even if it's not helping me? And so we both had to, you know, learn to be a little bit more like the other while still staying true to ourselves. You know, I'm never going to be a Jolenta and she's never going to be a Kristen. And that's a good thing because Jolenta is beautiful and perfect and wonderful on her own. I don't need to be like her and vice versa. But um, yeah, to answer your question again, just to circle back to that, no, I don't love self-help books. I think a lot of them are problematic. I think a lot of them rely on the premise, if I can do it, anyone can. But oftentimes the person writing those words uh, is born on third base. So they're saying, you know what, if you're like me, you can also hit a home run. If I can do it, anyone can. But it's like, maybe I didn't come with your generational wealth. Maybe I'm not white. Maybe I'm not straight. Maybe I'm not male. Maybe I'm disabled. Maybe I don't have all the things going for me where I can just pull myself up by my so-called bootstraps because you can. Your bootstraps are actually like, you know, Kanye West's latest shoes that are $2,000. <laughs> and I'm wearing like $4 flip-flops here from Walgreens. Uh, yes. And you're raising so many good points. And, and we're going to circle around to some of this. Before we get to that, though, for, for any listeners who may not know the premise of by the book, you know, how many books have you done at this point? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. I know it's at least over 50, right? Yes, yes, it is. Once we lived by the rules of 50 books, we actually wrote a book called How to Be Fine, what we learned from living by the rules of 50 self-help books, which is kind of a memoir, just looking back on what worked for us, what didn't, what we wish more books would say that they don't. And um, But then after that book came out, we've now lived several more seasons since then. <laughs> so yeah, um, gosh, we must be up to 70 or 80 or more books by now. And, and and you you do each one for two weeks. Yes. So actually, it's sort of an aside. You know, I imagine that some of these. You know, I'm thinking of things like uh, the secret and and other ones that were big. Uh, cause or or, or uh, Marie Kondo, right? I mean, these cause some really serious changes in your life. How does how do how does everyone else in your life feel about this? Every couple of weeks, going all right, all right. <laughs> what what are you doing this week? <laughs> Oh, gosh, my poor husband, for the entirety of our marriage, I have been living by self-help books, a different one every two weeks. And I just got to hand it to him. He is a loving and patient man. And for the most part, he can just laugh along and enjoy the books. But sometimes they are, and I don't want to overuse the word trauma here, but sometimes they are traumatic. You know, some of the books, I have a history of disordered eating. Some of the books have asked me to do things that really get me spiraling out of control where I'm back in that old mindset where I'm starting to weigh myself 20, 30, 40 times a day, getting up in the middle of the night. And um, so I don't want to, you know, I, I, I'm not a big believer in overusing words like toxic or trauma, but some of these books actually do that to me. And the books that really, there, there are a lot of books that say, no matter what, it's all on you. Um, you can choose to be upset by this or not. What did you do to bring this on yourself? A lot of books say you brought this on yourself, the law of attraction. You know, maybe you got cancer because you put that energy out into the world and you deserve it. And those books can be very, very painful to live by, especially as a survivor of um, child abuse and um, sexual uh, assault and so on. And did I really ask for those things? Do I deserve those things? And books that try to hammer that point home for 300 pages straight can hurt quite a bit. They can feel terrible. And even though intellectually I know this is not true, 
this book is lying to me, it can still hurt to be exposed to thousands of words telling me otherwise. So then I have to add, I mean, it, it, it is so important, I think, to expose some of these uh, awful beliefs. But I, I have to ask, you know, why? Why keep doing it? Why keep pushing forward when, as you you have said now yourself, you are causing yourself some trauma in, in the name <laughs> of, you know, why you? Why, why, why keep doing this? I do think that the self-help space needs conversations like this to happen. And honestly, I just don't feel like there are enough people who are actually uh, serving themselves up as guinea pigs with uh, self-help books. Maybe they're reviewing books. Maybe they're glossing over them and like, oh, that one thing spoke to me or gave a name to this thing I'm experiencing. But there just aren't enough people out there. Um, I can think of very few, and most of them are copycats of our show, of people who are down to the letter living by every word in a book. And I just want to make clear, we really are living by every book down to the letter. We read every book with a fine tooth comb as if we are writing a PhD thesis. We make spreadsheets, we make notations. Uh, anytime anyone says, no, you lived by the book wrong, the book never said that, I can turn to page 137, second paragraph down, third sentence, and say, actually, it says it right here. And uh, that's happened to us many times on the show where people write in and say, no, 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 that was never in the book. And I will have all the notes that make clear, yes, the book did say that. And maybe you interpreted that sentence differently than I did. Uh, but that's how I interpreted that one sentence right there. So, I, I, okay, I love this this train of thought here about the feedback. I I know from being a, a, a part of the community that a lot of it is very positive. Uh, but but what about some of those negative responses? Not just the people saying, oh, you didn't get it or you didn't get it. You know, were, have authors reached out to you to say, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's talk about that. What, what do you say when an author that you've correctly called out for some really problematic things in the book, you know, reaches out or, or says something on social media or whatever it is? Well, first of all, I'm really honored. I mean, it, it is so generous of them to take the time to listen to an episode of someone else's show, to um, take the time to write to us, to reach out to us, to, in some cases, interact with our listeners on our Facebook community. A number of authors have done this. The author of The Body is Not an Apology, Sonia Renee Taylor did that. Uh, the author of um, one of our first books we ever lived by, America's Cheapest Family, gets you right on the money. The Economides uh, family, they reached out to us. Um, when we lived by Burnout, uh, Emily Nagoski, she's one of the authors of that book, she reached out to us. So first and foremost, I'm just incredibly honored. And I know it's not easy listening to somebody criticize your book because, uh, spoiler, we never in the entire history of the show have given a 100% gold star to any book we've lived by. We have always found problems in every single book, even the best ones. We'll find a few things here or there that are just like, this might be a problem, <laughs> you know? This might be a little bit uh, ableist, or this might be a little bit something. And so even the very, very best books we have found problems in, and even in the trashiest books, we usually find some kernels of usefulness. So, um, the fact that somebody's willing to sit through an episode of our show where we're not just giving it a glowing review, it's very generous. It means to me that they have a great deal of fortitude that not all of us have. Not all of us want to hear somebody saying bad things about the thing we worked so hard on. Um, and um, sometimes, you know, we've even brought them on the show. But uh, more often than not, we just let them 
interact with the listeners, maybe read some of their comments on a follow-up episode and let them have their say. We, we don't um, want to uh, engage with them in a way where it's just like back and forth trashing, back and forth trashing. There may be one or two back and forths where there might be a question or a clarification, but we, we do our best not to, you know, get into any fights about anything. And again, more than anything, we're just thankful that they want to engage. Stay out of the comment section. You heard it here. from <laughs> So uh, we want to talk more about the self-help industry and all of that. But before we do, let's take a break. And, and before we go to a break, if you wouldn't mind shouting out where people can find you online, where they can listen to the show, where they can buy the book, all the stuff you want them to know. Yes. So you can always find me on Twitter at Kristen Meinzer, and you can find our podcast on Twitter at By the Book Pod. And if you want to listen to the show, By the Book is on pretty much any uh, podcast platform you can find Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, anywhere you look, there's By the Book. So uh, check out the show. Hi, I'm Susie Singer Carter, and I'm the creator and co-host of the award-winning podcast, Love Conquers Alls, a podcast that takes a deep dive into all things Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My co-host Don Priest and I created Love Conquers Alls as an extension of our Oscar-qualified short, My Mom and the Girl, which starred the amazing Valerie Harper in her final performance. Now in its fourth season, Love Conquers Alls voted Best Podcast in 2020 by the New Media Film Festival features the most renowned experts, enlightening authors, and inspirational stories from diverse caregivers of all ages all over the world. If you've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia or love someone who has, remember that love is powerful, love is contagious, and love conquers alls. You can listen to Love Conquers Alls on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Find us on social media. Check the link in your show notes or search for Jay Schiffman and Choose Your Struggle on any social media platform. All right. So so big picture question here that you are probably the most uh, uh, well, you are you're definitely the biggest expert in this arena that I've ever had on the show. Why is self-help so popular and sort of a follow up to that? Why is it getting more popular now? What is it about the time we're living in that is making self-help even more attractive? Yeah, well, America is built on the mythology of self-determinism. We can be anything we want here, right? We can be born a pauper and then become the founder of America's first bank system, like Alexander Hamilton, right? Uh, I, I love that idea. It's not true for most of us, but the mythology is very enticing that we can be a self-made person here. And uh, I think that comes through loud and clear in self-help books. But I'd also say that self-help books fill in a real need that we have as a nation that does not provide proper health care, including mental health care, for our citizens. And for women and people of color in particular who are not always included and not considered the default. When you look at medical studies, so much of what is a heart attack for most of human history has been based on what does a heart attack look like for white men, not what does it look like in a woman or a person of color. Um, and that definitely extends to mental health as well. And so if we're not getting our needs met in those ways, it's not surprising to me that we are seeking out help in a book. And um, we also, as a country that loves the whole idea of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, why would we not try to help ourselves first? 
why would we not do that? So I totally understand the appeal of self-help books. And I also understand that for a lot of people, there is shame in seeking help from a therapist and um, or there have been bad experiences with therapists. And so what they want to do is maybe read a book by themselves and try to treat themselves or maybe do it in secret because they feel some shame about some shortcoming they feel they have or some pain that they're going through. So I totally understand it. All of my criticisms of self-help books are not criticisms of the people who read them. I just want to make that clear. You made such an important point that I want to underscore and co-sign and, and support, which is that, you know, obviously this country is uh, the norms, quote unquote, is is white men. Uh, you are not that. And so this industry is sometimes overtly and, and many times covertly not aimed at you. And yet here you are trying to live by some of these rules that uh, do not take you into account and do not factor uh, you as as a person, unfortunately, too often into uh, their methodology. How is that reading this and sometimes going, you kind of touched on this earlier, but going like, oh, very clearly you're not talking to me in this moment. Yeah. Yeah, it it can be irritating. It can be um, a, a little bit painful if I feel like a book is really speaking to me and then suddenly something jumps out off the page that's making clear, oh, this book is not for me. It's, it's for somebody who has never thought of people of color as anything other than other. Um, a lot of authors in literature do this too, where they'll never describe anybody's race like, oh, he was so tall and handsome. But then as soon as somebody comes along who's not white, they'll be like, and then she was an Asian girl and her eyes were shaped like this and then this and this and this. Or, oh, and then, you know, a man entered the bar with his cocoa butter skin. A deep African-American accent came out of his mouth. Self-help books do that too. All, all of, you know, American culture does that to some extent because, we as a culture treat white and male as the default. So it's not just on self-help authors uh, who do that, but it's a little bit more painful sometimes when self-help authors do that because they are trying to help us with something that's already you know, help, uh, hurtful inside of ourselves, something that hurts and we're trying to fix and something that's making us um, you know, vulnerable. If a book is trying to get us to look at the parts of ourselves that hurt and then drops that in, it, it doesn't feel very good. So yeah. So, so on that, because you you just kind of touched on on a question I have here actually from from my wife, um, you know, so many of these self help books start with the acceptance of the idea that you are flawed, that you are you. There's the one that I, I always think of that's sort of my punchline in my own head about self help. It's like the what's the the wash your face, you stupid bitch, or whatever. Yeah. That, that's, you know, <laughs> it's girl like wash your face. Yeah, yeah, like what the hell, you know. <laughs> and so my wife's question is, which I love. Why are so many of them starting with this idea that you are broken? And are there any uh, that, that start with the, hey, you're doing good. You're, you're doing your best in this world. Here's how to make some improvements. Uh, why do you think that, that most of them come from that place? And are there any that actually you think are great that start with the, let's just, let's just see if we can make this a little bit better? I totally agree with you and your wife there. Yeah, it's maddening. And yet I, I understand why so many books start from there because a lot of people, when they pick up a self-help book, it's because they do want to fix something. They do feel broken. They're going through a rough time right now. Uh, I do though take issue with so many of them uh, starting off with that viewpoint of you're, you're just a, you know, a screw up and you need fixing and this and that. One book I really liked actually, we've never lived by it on the show, 
but it's one of the only self-help books I've ever read and enjoyed. It was called, it's called a breakup because it's broken. And the whole premise of the book is you're fantastic. That, that, that relationship that you're fixating on, the, the guy that you're trying to text 35 times every day, the, the guy who, you know, you're lurking on his social media, let it go. You are a beautiful, perfect creature. You are wasting your time on this. You broke up because that relationship was broken. You're perfect. Here, let's get through this rough patch and remind you of how perfect you are. And that's the kind of self-help book that I think uh, more people would benefit from. It's not saying you're broken. It's just saying you're going through a rough time right now. You're a beautiful flower. You're a unique snowflake. I love you. And here are some things to get through this rough patch. And yeah, I agree. More books should be like that. That's a great recommendation. I, I, if anyone's listening who wants a, a more positive self-help book, it sounds like check that one out. But but why do you, do you think that that, you know, sort of going back to your earlier point that, you know, obviously we need better mental health care, especially for women, people of color in this country. But do you think then that starting from this place that almost co-signs the things that that little voice in our head are saying about ourselves is actually doing more harm overall than good with some of these self-help books? Oh, in many cases, absolutely, yes. I compare it to the diet industry because the diet industry really relies on, you know, here, we're going to fix all of your problems. You're going to be so happy. You're going to lose a ton of weight. All you have to do is eat and behave in this completely restrictive, unrealistic way where you can't have a real life. And then after that completely restrictive, unrealistic way causes you to have a breakdown, then you're going to you know, gain all the weight back. And then you are going to need another diet book or another diet program or another you know, food delivery service or whatever it is. And I, I just, I hate the diet industry. And a lot of the self-help industry is the same thing. Why doesn't the diet industry just say, you're beautiful and perfect the way you are? And uh, let's just talk about what your blood pressure is. Are you getting enough exercise? <laughs> you know, something like that would be so much kinder. Like, oh, are you getting enough vitamins and minerals every day? Let's talk about that. Um, uh, or do you have a tormented relationship with food? Let's talk about how wonderful you are and how we want to get rid of this torment in your life so that your relationship with food can maybe be a little less painful. And maybe if we're lucky, maybe a little bit joyful. Let's find a way to talk about things that way. And the diet industry doesn't want to do that. No, they want you to get seduced by the quick fix and then be let down and then go out and buy more diet products. And yeah, I feel like the self-help industry is very similar to that. Yeah, I love that that analogy. I love that connection. And, and another one that I, I read not long ago and I was looking for this article and I cannot find it, but th they were connecting the, the self-help industry to conspiracy theories in the sense that you're trying to control something that we and, and quite to be quite honest, don't have a lot of control over. And, and that's where a lot of conspiracy theories come from is that we seek we seek control in an uncontrollable world. It almost feels like it's I mean, 100% with the diet industry, but with um, a lot of these self help as well, it's we are looking for control in a place that we are struggling to find it. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of these books insist that you can control what's around you. But really, let's you know, let's be real here, is making your dinners the night before, going to bed earlier or not buying one of those lattes every week, actually going to change the structural inequality that causes you in the first place to not be able to afford college. You know, maybe 
It's about a bigger issue that goes beyond whether or not you did meal planning the night before. Maybe it's just that the world is set up to fuck some people over and make certain people more powerful and rich. So then uh, I guess the follow up to that is, are there any books that 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 you've read that say that and then say, here's little ways that you can take a little bit of control while still acknowledging, I mean, it's pretty stacked against you. <laughs> I do like the books that actually tell us to stop navel gazing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with navel gazing to a certain extent. I, I want to say here and now that a lot of us need to navel gaze. A lot of us need to take a moment to acknowledge I was victimized there. That thing was not my fault. Or we need to give ourselves permission to mourn or be sad or to not be in denial about this or that, or to take ownership over something that is really hurting us. Like if I'm somebody who always reacts with defensiveness and anger and then attacks, maybe a book can help me with that. Maybe that's a, a good thing to examine. But is part of, you know, that defensiveness is, you know, part of any of those problems, really a bigger structural issue. And I love the books that acknowledge that. So A Girl's Guide to Joining the Resistance is one book we lived by where we looked at those bigger structural issues. Is it you or is it structural inequality? You know, is it, you know, your uh, uh, productivity habits? Oh, no, it's not my productivity habits. It's this bigger issue called racism, you know? And so those kinds of books, I've really enjoyed those. Anything that encourages us to not just look inward, but look outward. Uh, I really loved one of the books we lived by also. It was not a perfect book, but it was a book that was called uh, Why Good Things Happen to Good People. And it was really about when you do good in the world, how it can lift up your spirits, how it can fix a lot of the things that are causing you pain in the first place, how it can help you to develop connections with others because a lot of what causes our pain is feeling alone in this world. But when we do good things, it helps us to remedy some of those things that hurt us. So I have to ask you about one book in particular that for whatever reason took the world by storm and that was The Secret. Uh, (laughs) You've talked about this one a lot. Uh, For good reason, it was even people who don't read self-help books decided The Secret was for them. What was it about The Secret that made it so successful? Uh, One word, Oprah. <laughs> Listeners can't, can't see this. I, I just choked on my, my water as she, she said that. <laughs> Oprah is such a huge part of the mythology of The Secret. She shilled that book on her show. Uh, she is a huge believer in it. She's the um, epitome of manifest as a verb. Um, uh, the book, uh, the, the whole point of the book is to try and convince readers that there is this scientific thing called the law of attraction, which quote unquote, is as real as the law of gravity. And according to the law of attraction, we only get back from the universe what we put out into it. And it is a wonderful book for somebody like Oprah, who is a multi-billionaire, somebody who has succeeded in every way, who is rich, famous, happy, beautiful, who has a wonderful relationship, a household full of dogs and friends. She's got a great life. She has everything she wants. And for somebody on top, why would you not love the secret? The secret is essentially congratulating you and say, you earned this because you put out the right energy. Of course, of course you earned this, Oprah. 
And she really shilled it on her show. And I'm not trying to badmouth Oprah. I love Oprah. And I, and I really genuinely believe that this book spoke to her and it made her feel better about her life. You know, she grew up very poor, very abused. She had an incredibly painful childhood. Um, and to come out of that and become the household name that she is probably the most, you know, uh, you know, she's probably got more name recognition than pretty much uh, any other American, right? Everybody knows who Oprah is. And, you know, why would you not love the secret if the secret said you deserved it and you earned it? But uh, it's not just Oprah, it's other celebrities. It reminds me of Scientology in a way. All these celebrities who are like, I, how did I become a billionaire? I, I just manifested it. And it's like, well, maybe you didn't. Maybe it was something else that helped too. Maybe it was a combination of hard work, good luck, connections that you cultivated. Um, uh, maybe it was being in the right place at the right time. Maybe it was living at the right point in history. Let's be real. If Oprah came up through the ranks in 1861, she never would be who she is now. Sometimes it's just the point in history you're born in. Yeah, the secret is almost the opposite of of privilege. And 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 we are living in a in a society now that is rightfully so, forcing all of us to take a look in the mirror and, and accept our own privilege. And the secret was like, oh no, don't do that. No, no, no. no. You, you, you you earned everything that you got. And to your point earlier, you know, the person who was born two inches from home plate thinking they've hit a home run. No, no, you earned that. You worked hard. Yeah. Uh so so from that to to sort of the flip side question. Uh, what was there? Uh, has there been a, a, any books you actually went, even if you didn't love the book, you went, all right, I could see myself following these steps in the future and continue to do. Oh, yeah. So I mentioned when good things happen to good people. I, I still do some of the things that were mentioned in that book. Uh, there was a book called A Simple Act of Gratitude. And that book had a lot of imperfections, too. But there were certain things in that book that I really enjoyed, like called one was called the glad game which is essentially just you choose a partner and you just go back and forth and say like you know what I'm really glad about today Jay I'm really glad that the light is coming through your window in a way that reminds me that there is life out there in the world and then you say something and then we just go back and forth and it's like oh I'm really glad I have this cup of coffee right here and it's so hot because I'm using this insulated mug um so I, I really like that in a simple act of gratitude I really like any book that encourages me to go out there and do something good in the world. And so, yeah, I mean, even the worst books, almost all of them have at least a couple of nuggets of something good in them. So as I, as I mentioned the way in, you know, this is your sort of the, 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 the series that everybody knows you from, but you've also done a couple other uh, and you've written now multiple books. And is this something that you continue to see yourself branching out in or, or, you know, I, I guess the, the easy way to ask this question is, is what is next for Kristen? Oh, well, I can't reveal all the secrets yet, but I will <laughs> say this, Jolenta and I are developing other shows right now. So there will be other shows in 2022 starring me and Jolenta. Other podcasts are on the way. I can't say what they are yet, but we're really excited about these other shows and uh, we've really put our heart into them. So uh, I can say that. I also have, you know, several other shows. Uh, there's a show called Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. People write in with their life issues and we give a little bit of advice and then we prescribe a movie and a TV show to help them through whatever they're 
you know, going through, whether it's a long distance relationship or being tired of COVID or, um, you know, breaking up with a partner or having a fight with your best friend. So uh, it's kind of a mix of advice show and watch list. And then I also host a show called um, The Royal Report from Newsweek. And this is the second royal show I've hosted. I also hosted a royal show back when Meghan and Harry were courting, which was in the lead up to their wedding. And uh, it started with their engagement. And uh, then my co-host on that show, when Meghan met Harry, he and I went to the royal wedding itself. And so, um, yeah, I, I do a lot of royals coverage. I do a lot of movie coverage. I do a lot of pop culture and book coverage. And sometimes they all kind of mix together on different shows. Final question on that, uh, because this was a really fun interview to listen to. What was it like being on Pop Culture Happy Hour? It sounded like that was a fun experience. <laughs> it was so fun. In fact, uh, I think it was a year ago, Rafer and I were invited on Pop Culture Happy Hour to administer movie therapy to the NPR listeners. And it was so much fun that NPR has had me back on pretty much every month since then. So now it's like this regular gig. Every month I go on and I talk about a show or a movie, everything from like inventing Anna to uh, reality shows, they bring me on. And it, it's so much fun to now be uh, in the regular rotation on that show. It's so fun. That's awesome. Well, I could I could listen to you talk about this stuff all day, especially the, the royal. That would be a fascinating experience to go to the royal wedding. But I am conscientious of your time. So before we get to the final questions that I always ask on this show, one more time, if you wouldn't mind shouting out where everybody can find you, where they can find the show, anything you want people to know. Well, if you go to my website, kristenmeinzer.com, everything is there. kristenmeinzer.com has links to my books, to my 10 different podcasts. I, I host a lot of podcasts. Uh, it has links to, you know, all my appearances on other shows. Uh, when this episode is up, I'll have a link there to this episode too. So uh, it's all there at kristenmeinzer.com. And the future, the future stuff that you, you hinted at, we'll be excited to, to check that out. Oh yeah. Keep, keep an ear open for those future things. We're really excited about them. So on this show, we always finish with the same two questions every time. The first of which is, what are your self-care habits? What works for you? Okay, so my self-care habits include TV. <laughs> so I kid you not, um, I, I when Rafer and I started hosting movie therapy, it wasn't just because we love movies or TV, but uh, movies and TV sometimes help us to uh, cope with a situation, to see ourselves represented in the world, to, you know, see that we matter, but also just to cope with tough feelings. I don't know about you, but sometimes media-induced crying is the best crying that there is out there. Sometimes it's so much better than just sitting alone in the shower and crying, but to cry along with something and get those feelings out. So TV and movies, you know, they also sometimes provide a very, very necessary escape or allow my brain to go on autopilot when I really need that to happen. Like when I watched, you know, 100 hours of Golden Girls after my mom died, you know, sometimes we just need something like that. And so uh, that is a form of self-care that I, I will never talk down or diminish. I know a lot of people like to bad mouth the TV, but it's helped me through a lot of things in life. So that's part of my self-care. I get it. There are a couple of go-tos I have myself. That's, that's great. All right. The last question that we end with every time is we've now spent the last 40 minutes hearing why you're amazing, why we should be following everything you do. But this is your chance to shout out a couple other people. Who do you follow? Who should we be checking out? 
Oh my God. Should it be people or TV shows or movies or anything? Anything you want. Books, podcasts, movies, TV, anything. Okay. Well, I want to shout out a show called Somebody Somewhere on HBO Max starring Bridget Everett. And this is a show that uh, depicts something you don't see very often in movies or TV. It's It takes place in the 12th largest town in Kansas. It's very rural. And it shows people that don't look like movie stars just trying to live their lives. People who are maybe, you know, characters not on other shows, people who are not cisgender, people who don't necessarily fit the mold of like, what does a Christian look like in a small town? A Christian in a small town might look very different than uh, you might imagine they might look. What does a person with addiction look like if they're also the wife of a farmer? Um, and it can be very painful, but also very funny. And so I highly recommend somebody somewhere want to shout out that show. Um, but also, I just want to shout out dumb TV too. anything that's stupid. It's fine to just laugh and escape. That's fine, too. Not everything has to be smart. But if you want something smart that might touch your heart, somebody somewhere. If you want something stupid, love is blind. (laughs) (laughs) Great recommendations. Kristen, thank you. Thank you for all of your your warmth and your wisdom. Thank you for being here today. I've, I've learned a lot, and I'm sure my listeners will as well. Thank you so much. This has been so great. Back for their second season, I'm so thankful to have Bookshop.org as a partner. When you buy a book on Bookshop, you not only support this show, you can also select your favorite local bookstore to get some of the proceeds. For me, I've chosen Harriet's, a black-owned bookstore here in Philadelphia. So next time you need a book, or if you want to check out any of the books we've profiled on this show, go to bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS. Again, that's bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS. Check them out today. If you're liking the show, please consider leaving us a review. If you're listening on Apple, you can leave a review right on your player. For everybody else, check out the link in the show notes. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to Kristen Meinzer. How great was she? How great was that conversation? Kristen, you are incredible. Thank you. Um, and thank you in advance for listing this on your website as you promised to do in the in the conversation. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to her. You can hear we had a lot of fun despite my cold. And I learned a lot. I always learn something from every guest. I learned a lot from Kristen. Um, I'll say this, actually, I'm not a big self-help book reader. Uh, you know, I remember when The Secret came out. Actually, kind of a funny story. I was living in Arizona when The Secret came out or right afterwards. Uh, that's when I was going through detox, living with my grandmother and all that. And my grandmother, my aunt, like everybody I was around there got really into The Secret. And this was also the same time, uh, if you remember this, that the that the uh, sweat lodge um, <laughs> lawsuit was what or that that would eventually be filed later, but the actual death that came from the sweat lodge incident in Arizona was happening while I was there, and uh, you could see his area, his land from where I lived, uh, so it was very famous. This this was happening at that time, uh, of course, very famously. Uh, Arrested Development did a, a long joke on this, uh, if you remember that. 
why this you know has to do with the secret one of the main guys in the secret in fact the guy that was on oprah was the quote-unquote guru um that that they uh was was part of the secret he was one of the guys in 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 that book uh and very famously wondery uh who does some good stuff on occasion uh <laughs> wondery did a show called guru about this incident and they talk about the fact that he was in the secret uh actually a good show if you like that kind of thing go check out guru um i have no ties to it so there's no <laughs> uh, i don't even know the people but uh it, it was an enjoyable show i binged um so yeah really interesting uh, uh lesson from her there both about why that that idea of the um uh, you know, law of attraction can be super problematic. Uh, I had a conversation with a friend about this recently. You know, she is really into that and uses it in a really beautiful way. Um, so not to diminish that, but I do really appreciate Kristen's point that it 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 sort of is allowed to be a cover for some really uh, hurtful and harmful things. Um, so that was interesting. I also loved her point that just like everything else in our world, uh, the self-help industry thinks of the white male or in many cases, the white female, uh, middle class, to upper class as the quote unquote norm. And, and then you have people who are not that, which is most people, uh, are expected to, to be able to achieve the same things or, or have the same standard. And, you know, especially when you are a person, uh, who is not that at all, as Kristen Meinzer beautifully said, um, it can be really hurtful and it can be really dismissive and diminishing. And um, that was a, a really incredible point. So I, I just appreciate that so much from her. So thank you, Kristen. Thank you for a great episode. All right. Today, uh, I mentioned this last week that I have a new uh, item that we're going to get some some of the the, the uh, cards from. Uh, it's not actually a card pack. This is the first time I'll be using something that is not a card pack. It is a book. Um, I think I have another book somewhere. I think I used it last season. I don't know. Uh, when I moved, it may have disappeared because everything else in this pile is all cards. Uh, but this is a book. It is called The Little Book of Mindfulness Number 2, Peace, Life, and Calm, the follow-up to the worldwide bestseller. Um, it's by Allison Davies. I got this uh, somewhere. I don't remember. I got this somewhere during uh, the, 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 the break between season two and season three. So I'm going to open to a random page, and this is going to be our card for this week. Focus on yourself. Everyone needs to take some me time away from social media to recuperate and realign. This could be as simple as taking a few minutes to sit down and read a book, take a bath, or going for a walk in the fresh air. Great one. Uh, so I actually just finished um, the the new book by Johan Hari called Stolen Focus. If you remember, Johan Hari wrote probably my favorite book on drugs and addiction and drug use, uh, and that was Chasing the Scream. Uh, it's one of my favorite books of all time, and it was just incredible. Uh, this is his newest. It's about um, the way that our society is both unintentionally and intentionally trying to steal our ability to focus. And, uh, it wasn't as good. Um, now to be fair, I will say this, obviously the, the, the subject matter is not nearly as of, of interest to me. So that was part of it. Um, you know, I, the, the, the thing that I didn't like about this one as much is that with chasing the scream, there's three distinct storylines that he dove deep into this one. There was way more. And so it was a little bit 
less um, even in its depth. It was sort of like, uh, you know, level two, level two, level 10, level five, level four, you know, it was like all over the place. Uh, but some of the points were really good. Um, and one of the ones, obviously, that he focuses on, because if you're going to talk about focus and concentration, uh, our phones and social media and all that have to be a part of the conversation. Uh, but, you know, not to spoil anything, he does two different answers to this, the short term, which is, you know, what each of us can do every day. And then obviously the long term, which is going to need a lot more, uh, you know, sort of creating, as he calls for a bit of a, of a movement to, to try to hold, um, you know, IT companies accountable and all that kind of stuff. But uh, he he spends three months on um, away from uh, social media, away from uh, the Internet. And it was pretty incredible uh, to read about that. You know, he 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 talks a lot about this sort of mental detox you go through when that's the case. And, and if that's of interest to you, I definitely recommend it. Um, I'll put it at the bookshop link in the show notes. So definitely check that out. Uh, I got it from the library. Big shout out. Uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but I'm going to say it here in Philly. Our mayor is screwing our libraries over. The library near me was closed for months. Uh, they finally reopened and then they had to close again. You can pick up books, you can drop them off, but you can't browse or anything because they are understaffed because they're underfunded. Uh, that sucks. I'm a big supporter of the library. I use it all the time. Uh, uh, Mayor uh, Kearney, I think that's your name, Kenny. I don't know. Uh, Philadelphia politicians, if you hear this, please fund our library more and trash libraries and trash. Those are important. Anyway, check out uh, Stolen Focus by Johan Hari if you want to buy it. Check the bookshop link in the show notes. All right, the <laughs> good egg today. I swear it's the last time I'm going to do this. I know it's the second week in a row, but I swear it's the last time. Y'all know how important Made It is to me. I've been working on this for so long, going on 10 months. And it finally drops a week from when you're hearing this, it will be out. So please, that's your good egg. Uh, go subscribe to the Made It feed. When it episode one drops on this feed next week, download it, support it, listen to it, share it. Oh my God, please share it. And please tag me if you want to, or don't. I don't really care about that. I mean, it would be nice so I could thank you, but the the sharing it with people, send it to someone, say, hey, this is, sounds like something that you would enjoy. That goes so far. Uh, if you want to leave a review, please do that. That would be cool. All of the things, just please support Made It. It would mean so much to me. Uh, that's your good egg. But above all else, no, before I do that, I won't, you won't hear from me next week. I'm just dropping episode one of Made It. So I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for, for staying tuned to Choose Your Struggle. Thanks for coming with me on season three. It's great to have you all. I love you all. Uh, now, without further ado, <laughs> be vulnerable, show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle. <laughs>